0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: It carries with it the idea of a man who is known as a one woman man, not a womanizer. I mean, this guy is faithful, or as you've, I'm sure, heard it said and heard it sung, uh, I've got eyes only for you. Faithful to his wife. And that is a godly characteristic. He doesn't have eyes, wandering eyes.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farab of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. God has specific requirements for those who want to serve as leaders in the church. Today, Pastor J.D., will be explaining how those who oversee the flock of God must live above reproach. These overseers need to be faithful and to have a good reputation among believers as well as unbelievers. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: In verses 1 through 7, Paul starts out with the godly characteristics for those who are overseers. Now, depending on what translation you have, uh, overseers basically refers to those who are pastors and or elders who have the spiritual oversight of the flock of God. These are the requirements, prerequisites, if you will, for anyone desiring. And when Paul says, he's actually kind of echoing what James said about those who have that desire, God places that desire on their heart, and they desire to be in that role as an overseer, a pastor, a teacher. It's a noble thing. It's a good thing. Nothing wrong with that. However, James warns (laughs) that you should be very careful and prayerful when desiring that noble office, because you will be judged by a much stricter standard, because now you have oversight over God's people, over the flock of God. So there are 14 things here, okay? And the first one, is above reproach. What does that mean? Now some of your translations render it blameless. This is a often misunderstood requirement, but to be above reproach means that a man has nothing in his life that the enemy can use to accuse and bring reproach on the gospel or the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's blameless, not sinless. This is where a lot of us get into a lot of trouble. (laughs) Blameless, not sinless, in the sense that he's guiltless. He's not bringing shame or blame to the church of Jesus Christ. It's a life lived above reproach, blameless. Second one, this is also misunderstood, because some of your translations render it the husband of one wife. In other words, you can never be divorced. You have to only have been married once. That's not what he's saying. He's saying faithful to his wife, and it carries with it the idea of a man who is known as a one-woman man. Not a womanizer. I mean, this guy is faithful. Or as you've, I'm sure, heard it said and heard it sung, uh, I've got eyes only for you. Faithful to his wife. And that is a godly characteristic. He doesn't have eyes, wandering eyes for another. Number three, temperate. This is a man who, for lack of a better way of saying it, is a steady eddy. And he's reliable and dependable, not volatile. He's not somebody, you know, okay, well, he's up one day, down the other. You never kind of know where you're at. You're kind of always walking on on eggshells. No, he's temperate. He's steady. He's reliable. He's dependable. Number four, self-controlled. This is a man who is sober-minded and takes seriously the profound privilege of being an overseer, and it is a profound privilege, and what comes packaged with that profound privilege is a profound responsibility, and it's a responsibility that this man takes seriously. Number five, respectable. This is a man whose behavior is orderly, such that he's honorable, and respectable with a character that is unimpeachable and highly esteemed. You know, respect is earned, right? And an overseer must earn the respect, and we're going to see this again here in a moment. Number six, hospitable. This is a man who is friendly and inviting, To foreigners and strangers, the door is always open. They're always available. Number seven, and this is a, this one is probably right up there with the most misunderstood. And if you'll just bear with me, I want to explain this one because uh, it's able to teach. Now, this would imply that they have to have the gift of teaching able to teach. I would submit that this is not about giftedness. This is about godliness, because to be able to teach, one first has to be teachable. That's a play on words, right? Teachable. That's a godly characteristic inwardly. It's the man who, before he teaches and is able to teach, is teachable. How can you teach unless you're teachable? We had an acronym on the mainland many years ago. Uh, Please don't uh, get upset with me, but we were looking for fat people which is why I qualified, and I was able to (laughs) be the pastor. But it was an acronym, F-A-T, Faithful, Available, and Teachable. That's who we were looking for, to lay hands on, to serve, as it would be such a profound privilege within the church of Jesus Christ. I want to take it a step further. I was thinking about this this morning, So, the word disagree, okay? Already everybody's polarized. I just used the word disagree. Well, I don't agree. You don't? You're not in agreement. I don't agree. Really? Whew, I'm not worthy. Are you God? I'm not, I'm not trying to get up in anybody's grill here, but I just need you to hear me out. <laughs> the audacity, the arrogance, the pride, the rank pride of saying, you don't agree with what my position is. When <laughs> Joshua is visited by the Lord himself, he asks the Lord, whose side are you on? And the Lord doesn't even answer his question. He doesn't say, I'm on your side, or I'm on the enemy's side. He basically says, it doesn't matter whose side I'm on, it's, are you on my side? I know that's a a paradigm shift, for lack of a better way of saying it, but could you imagine if Jesus were here in the year 2020? What would he say? What would he do? Where would he go? I think if we really saw it that way, it would bring us to our face in repentance. What if Jesus had social media? Is that too much? So, okay, I'm going to take it one step further, and then we'll move on, okay? So you're in a disagreement with somebody over whatever it is, and you'll forgive me, but it's probably really stupid. Yes, I just said stupid. Stupids in the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Stupid, it's stupid. What are you doing? That's so stupid. And you want to argue for hours on end? Because you don't agree. Well, that's not my position. Well, who cares what your position is? You know, that I heard heard this, uh, this is way back in the early 1900's, famous uh, evangelist by the name of Billy Sunday. This is pre-Billy Graham. Something about Billy, I guess, I don't know. But after one of his crusades, many have, you know, come forward, come to Christ. And this woman comes up to him afterwards and says, you know, Billy, preacher, you rub me the wrong way. And his response was, well, if I'm rubbing you the wrong way, you need to turn the right way, and I won't be rubbing you the wrong way. Oh, that's good. I like that one. It's like petting a cat in the wrong direction. Right? So let's say you're in a disagreement. And in your arrogance, in your pride, in your stubbornness, in your obstinance, you just dig your heels in further. Wait a minute. What if you're wrong? No, they're wrong. I'm right. I'm on the right side of this. You are, really. You know what happens when you do that? First of all, forget being teachable. Forget, and by the way, humility is roommates with being teachable. It's a humbling of oneself and and saying, you know, maybe I need to revisit this. Let me just hear what your position is. Maybe I got this wrong. When was the last time you actually were involved in a disagreement with a brother or sister in Christ, or even not? And you were willing, instead of preparing what you're going to say, you know, they're talking, you're inserting all the right, you know, things, you know, hmm, huh, oh, is that right? You know, but you're not even listening to them, is you're preparing your rebuttal to them, what you're going to say to them. In fact, you'll even interrupt them so you can get your point across. Well, have you ever thought that maybe you should listen to them? Hear them out. Well, I don't believe that. Okay, well, why? You know what you might find, and it happens more times than you probably realize, is that in that process, you're giving the Holy Spirit elbow room And the Holy Spirit knows exactly where that person's at, where that person's wrong, where you're at, and where you're wrong. And the Holy Spirit can do that which we cannot. And so sometimes it can just be a humbling of one. And is this not the fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit? Not the gifts! of the Holy Spirit, outward manifestation of the gifts, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy, tongues, all of the gifts. Now this is fruit. Whole different ballgame. Love, joy, peace, gentleness. That's going to come up here in a minute, if I will ever get there. (laughs) Kindness, meekness, self-control. I think that one of the most important characteristics of anyone who desires to be an overseer, it has to be that they're teachable, that they're humble, that they're willing to admit when they got it wrong. It's not easy, especially for guys, man. That's like, no way. No way. This is why we don't ask for directions. No, it is. Because I'm not gonna admit, right? I know, I know going to admit. I know where we're going. Five hours later, I know where I'm going. What you, can, can, can we use the GPS? No. And the pride is so great and so powerful that you can't admit, you know what? I completely blew it. Oh my goodness. Can I just speak to marriages just for a moment? Husbands, what would your wife do if when you have a marital disagreement, you know, as I've mentioned before, pastors, we don't call it that. We call it intense fellowship. When you're in a conflict, right, Uh, What would your wife do if you just said, you know what, honey, I never thought of it like that. I never saw it like that. You know what, I'm sorry. You know what, I'm wrong. I'm I'm the one that's wrong. (laughs) Would they look at you and go, what did you do with my husband? (laughs) Who is this man before me in my presence? Teach Abel. Being teachable. Number eight, this is gnarly. Not given to drunkenness. What does this mean? Well, quite simply, it means a man who's not a drunk, not addicted to alcohol, whether it's wine or strong drink. Number nine, not violent, but gentle. This is a man who's not mean or rude, but instead is considerate and gentle. Guys, they call us gentlemen. (laughs) Oh man, (laughs) gentle man? How does that fit for you? Is that true? Are you, am I, a gentle man? You know, in our study through the Proverbs, it became abundantly clear that it's gentleness that can have such an impact. Gentleness, a gentle answer breaks a bone. When you're angry and mean, no, gentle. And isn't, Gentleness, too, a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number 10, not quarrelsome. I see this as a man who's not looking for a fight. You know, there are some guys that just like to fight. I think it's adrenaline. I mean, if I can just, you know, be frank with you. (laughs) There is such a thing as having sort of this addiction to the adrenaline because when you're in that fight or flight mode, that adrenaline is, you know, is so strong. It is so powerful. And it makes you feel invincible. It's a God given thing. But to the extreme, you can get addicted to that feeling, that adrenaline. And man, when you get into a good argument, I mean, you're just looking for a fight because you're looking for that adrenaline rush. You know, there are adrenaline junkies. They may not be in the context of fighting, but this is why you have people that do things like jump out of airplanes. That's an adrenaline rush. Why do you think we go to the water park and go on those rides that rearrange all of your internal organs? Oh my goodness, the last time I was at a, at the water park, I don't know how long ago it was now, my, my daughter says, Hey, Baba, let's go on this ride. I'm looking at that thing going, No, no, no. (laughs) You know, you get off a ride. Or when, when they have the, you know, the, the, the fair, the state fair, and they have that, that one uh, ride, we went on that, uh, ride, it's called, uh, Pharaoh, or it's an Egyptian thing, where it's this, you know, big thing that goes back, and I must be the Egyptian in me, I don't know, but, so it goes up, and then, you know, up, and then, then it goes faster, and I mean, you would think, you know, looking at it's like, yeah, I could do that. You get in that thing, you're going, what am I doing? (laughs) I mean, you get off that thing, you're like, okay, I hope that's my kidney, (laughs) and that's my liver. They're back in the right spot. You're kind of feeling around in there. It's all about the adrenaline, and we have to be oh so careful when it comes to just looking for a fight, wanting a fight. And again, talking about social media, that's all adrenaline, man. And it's fueled by pride. Number 11, not a lover of money. This is a man who's not in it for the money. They're not greedy. They don't love money. As we're going to see in chapter 6, the root of all evil, probably one of the most misquoted verses in all the Bible, it's the love of money. Not money. Money, as we talked about in the prophecy update, it's neutral, it's amoral. You can take money and use it for immoral purposes, or you can take it and use it for moral purposes. And money too can give you an adrenaline rush. And an overseer is and should never be given over to money, a lover of money, in it for the money. Hey, I think i will get in the ministry. Here, those guys make pretty good money. I'll give you my email address. I will talk with you about this. (laughs) I can assure you (laughs) if you're going into the ministry for the money, you'll last probably not very long. Number 12, he must manage his family well. This is a man who is respected by his wife and his children respect him and obey him, and see him as a man of God, a godly husband and a godly father. Not a perfect father and not a perfect husband, but a godly husband. And the point is that if you can't have your house in order, how are you going to serve in a capacity in the church If you can't manage your own family, how are you going to manage in the church? Number 13 is very interesting. He must not be a recent convert. Why? Because, again, you put somebody prematurely into a position of leadership for which they are ill-prepared, and it will go to their head, and you will be party to their fall. Their fall is on you. If you lay hands on anyone suddenly, and here's, here's what it looks like. You, you put somebody in a position, they don't have the character. They might have the giftedness. You think, man, that guy, whoo, are we fortunate to have him? Ah, be careful what you, what you ask. I would rather have somebody that is godly inwardly than somebody who is gifted outwardly. Because it's not long before They just collapse and and falter and fail and fall. And you're setting them up because then the enemy comes in and starts putting thoughts in their mind like, hey, they gave you a set of keys. Oh man, keys can, I mean, change.
0: We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Faragh. If you haven't yet found a church home, we'd like to encourage you to make that a priority. A church family is a source of support, comfort, and most importantly, faithful prayer warriors. Paul wrote the book of First Timothy with this in mind. He knew how important it was to have the support and prayers of other believers in Christ church is also a place you can serve and encourage others, too. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, in inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, be sure to check out Pastor J.D.'s additional teachings as well as his Mideast Prophecy Updates, an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this time in our world. You can also find Pastor J.D.'s ABCs of Salvation there. This is a great tool to share the simplicity of the gospel message with friends and family. Again, that website is inspiritandtruthradio.com. As we continue to study the wisdom from the book of 1 Timothy with Pastor JD, we hope you've been encouraged to live out your faith in a new way. The Bible holds information, encouragement, and instruction that will be beneficial to you on your faith journey. So keep diving in. Well, that's all we have time for today, but be sure to join us next time for more from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.